Welcome back to For the Water Cooler, the podcast where you get to chat with your favorite coworkers about what you watched last night. I'm Matt Scalisi, and joining me is my virtual office buddy, Caroline Darney. Caroline, I, our, our listeners haven't missed anything, but I've been away for a week. You've been gone. I was at Disney World, uh, destroying my body in a variety of different ways, <laughs> both both dietarily and physically. Just just <laughs> too much too much walking and standing. I'm too old to be doing that stuff now. But it was it was a lot of fun and pop culture wise, I got to go on two new rides I had never been on before, which are, which are movie tie-ins. And uh, one of them was the guardians of the galaxy ride, which was great. It was awesome. I think anybody who is a guardians fan will love it, but it is also just, it's just a great, uh, what, uh, what is the ride? So I've been on, I've been to, I went on the converted tower of terror. Right. Guardians ride. Which, which I think, which personally I think is a a travesty that that was done, but I'm obviously I'm a pro guardians guy generally. Yeah. And that was a ton of fun. I went on that in Disneyland. What is the, what is it a coaster roller coaster? What's the vibes of what is happening in Disney world? So the best thing I can, I can explain it as it's, it's like a very, very modified, uh, plussed up version of Space Mountain. Oh, okay. It is is the version in Orlando. It is it is a roller coaster, but I mean, there's parts of it where you're going backwards. Your yeah. your your car that you're in like like spins around while you're in it, independent oh, cool. of the other cars and the train. And they're playing music the whole time, obviously, which is great and very appropriate for Guardians. So that was really fun too. I I loved it. It was a huge hit. I also went on the Tron ride. That's like the, then you ride like the little light cycles, right? You're on like a motorcycle, full on leaning forward uh, motorcycle Is that style. No, I, I loved it. I, I mean, yeah. some, some people, to be clear, some people really don't like it. And I saw yeah. some people <laughs> very uncomfortable and uh, not pleased with it. So I would say like, try, they have a little like model of it out front that you can try out. I would say yeah. try it out before you get on it. But like, man, it was it was so it's so fun to pretend that I'm that I'm physically capable of doing stuff like this and then like <laughs> for the few minutes you're on it it's so great and then you have to deal with the consequences when you get off the ride and everything on you is stiff and hurts but like yeah. it's great and, and and it makes you it, it it makes me wish that I liked the Tron stuff that's out there more why it's so boring, but but in real life. Wow. But like, <laughs> I kind of want to see the third one that they're making right now with Jared Leto. Um, I definitely do one because it's is. Am I correct to think I did not realize until post Maverick got my Maverick mention in, uh, which I'm actually wearing my Top Gun T-shirt today. But um, that Joseph Kaczynski did the second Tron. That's right. That's right. Uh, and I love that movie. I didn't even see the first one because like when it came out and like whatever else. You honestly don't I need to. Yeah. loved uh, the second one. I listened to that soundtrack, the um, <clears throat> Daft Punk like. So they're, they're cranking that the whole uh, ride, which is, which is really fun. Um, and I mean like the whole look of it's so cool. Everything, yeah. everything being like black. And then there are little like 
neon lines yeah. everywhere. It's such a so cool aesthetic. Out. It makes you feel incredibly cool when you first walk into it. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I need to watch it again, but I, I'm, it's, it's such a cool looking and cool concept. Did world. it, did it have Jeff Bridges going the grid? Like the when grid. he did the grid. I, I got, I got in. I got in. <laughs> <laughs> The absolute best. Um, <laughs> I wish. I wish Jeff Bridges was in it. There's there's no celebrity cameos in that one. But like, but for <laughs> Guardians, the whole yeah. cast, the whole cast of Guardians is in the ride, and including Glenn Close, uh, including <laughs> Terry Crews. I'm going to pretend that you mean they have to stay there forever. Yeah, they live people. there now. Not they that it's there. like a video feed of them like having pre-recorded something, but that Glenn Close is in some sort of purgatory where she has to like welcome people. She works at Epcot now. That's what <laughs> yeah. she. That's why you haven't seen her in a movie in a while. Did you walk through? Is it the Moana water thing that just opened or whatever? The Moana thing is cool. It's definitely like a, uh, like it, like basically. It's just a garden. You walk, you though. go into it thinking that like this is for little kids and that's nice and cool. And and then there's an area where everyone has to stand in a row and and it's like seven or eight people have to put their hands up in the air at the exact same time. And if you do it, it will make a huge wave crash in front of you and water go flying. And you would not believe how many times I sat there and watched groups of adult strangers try to pull this off. And it's and, and when they get it to work. Everyone's like, let's go. <laughs> this sounds so like pure. It's nice. It's honestly, it's really, it, it was a good time. I'm a big, I'm obviously a big like Disney world Mark. They, they get money out of me very regularly, but it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very fun. And when I, it, it, I try to get there, you know, every couple of years or so with my kids and my family. And it's, uh, it's a great time. We had, we had a good time and I'm um, hopeful that, uh, you know, the next time we go there, there's all this, there's always, there's, they always get you. They're always promising some new yeah, stuff yeah. to come out. So, you know, they're, they're talking about working on uh, getting some more Marvel stuff in the parks and um, they've done a great job with star Wars. So there's, there's, yeah. there's a ton of stuff. If you're just an adult nerd like me. I haven't been like six years. I'd went to Disneyland more recently. Yeah. It's 20. That was like February of 2020. Um, yeah, it's honestly worth if, for for you, Caroline. It's honestly worth going just to see the Star Wars stuff that they've built. It's yeah, incredible. so I saw. I'm excited. Like I, well, and I, I think I talked about it when we had um, Ryan on McGee. Um, but I need to do the other, like the Rise of the Resistance ride because I didn't get to do that one. I only did really that. cool, really fun okay. stuff. It's, it's so great to get yelled at by a, an Imperial <laughs> officer. Um, I did do the last time I was there, my cousin and her now husband live in the area. And we went to the um, uh, essentially the VR thing, whatever we're in Disney Springs or whatever it is. Yeah, you, right. Like, so it was awesome. I'm sure like they must have the best time watching us idiots walking through a literal like empty warehouse with nothing around and being like super cautious. So you don't fall off a walkway or that's, whatever, you know, like <laughs> that's my biggest, that's my biggest trepidation about VR stuff is that I'm going to walk into something. I'm going yeah. to physically hurt myself doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, while you were gone, I did nothing. Um, I did watch, I checked a uh, Oscar nominee off the list, which uh, was, past lives yeah which we i've heard a lot about and our our, our former guest uh megan cruz was very very high on it when we talked to her about it so it is. is it is it where is it available right now 
it is on Paramount Plus. Oh, cool. With, with, with Showtime. Right. Yes. <laughs> okay. So if you have show, so it's uh, so I also rewatched um, Dead Reckoning because that movie's awesome. Of course. Uh, which if you haven't yet had the chance to like sit down and watch Dead Reckoning, it is so fun. Like I, I really, really love that movie. Um, not enough nice stuff can be said about Haley Atwell being added to that franchise. Um, the, so past lives, I, for some reason, I don't know how I had it. I think I need to go back and edit a listicle. Uh, I thought it was much more of like rom-com. It is not, it is rom, rip your heart out and run it over. Yeah. Like, and it is, I say that in the most like complimentary way. It is a beautiful movie. I now am on the celine song got robbed train um i still because here's the thing no matter what for best director noms like you're gonna have nolan and scorsese i get it scorsese scorsese who what's the like the cinephile way to it's say fine, it? it's fine it's fine like i want to like, speaking the, on on behalf of all italian americans oh, which i have oh. the authority to do it's fine however however you say it okay between those two ways like, you know, those two are going to be locks. Like there's not, that's going to happen. Right. Um, I really enjoyed anatomy of a fall and this, and what sucks is this shouldn't turn into like, if one woman gets nominated, mm-hmm. I think it should be. Um, Cause that's not, I'm not saying that like, Justine is it Justine Trier, Trier should get like knocked out at all. I still need to see the other two. Like that's the problem. Cause um, uh, zone of interest and poor things, whatever. So I've never even seen a Yorgos movie, which our coworker Blake has been yelling at me about. Um, and so I don't have any understanding yeah. vibes around it's, him. It's look, I, I I think he's a very divisive director, and I, I understand why people like him a lot. And I've liked some of his movies, but like yeah. it, it's he's he's very. Um, I I would say. He appeals to Oscar voters because he has this inherent edginess to him. And I do think that a lot of, I'm generalizing here, I think a lot of the female directors who are in consideration that we're talking about this year are not people who have the kind of personality where they are edgy and transgressive and like, ooh, this is a little little much for you. Like, and, and... like maybe call me out if I'm, if I'm being overly general here, Caroline, I think that's maybe not a trait that's super common in a lot of women period, but particularly women who work in male dominated fields. Right. Yeah, you, because you can't really, oh, I mean, this is all generalization, but like you can't really afford to try and be edgy when you're just trying to like make it. <laughs> They're trying to get movies made, but yeah. like the, it, it's, it is a, and look, I'm not saying that your ghost is like, insincere about the movies he makes. I think he really is trying. He's a very interesting guy. He has something to say. I think he is very deliberately edgy. And I think that that gets him a level of attention that it's probably harder for some of these, these other directors we're talking about to get um, because they're making quieter, subtler movies. The, The past lives is shot so beautifully. It is a beautiful movie and the the directorial choices and the way that the because so in a Greta Lee has gotten praise which she one million percent deserves she's fantastic in it um and but the male lead Tao Yu he is 
I don't have enough words to say how like impressive he was because it's there. Both of them had this ability and this is acting. I understand I'm not an idiot. Like I understand this is what they're there for, <laughs> but his subtlety with his expressions and the emotion that you could read and the slight changes to his expression. Cause the, he speaks almost entirely Korean throughout. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a few times where he's, you know, meeting her husband and like speaking English, but um, he, you just connect with him regardless of the language difference. And he's just so emotive and the way that she shoots them on screen together being like physically closer, maybe physically distant, but emotionally closer, et cetera. So it's just incredible. And so I have a hard time. I, I just have a hard time believing that I'm going to go watch the other two nominees because again i'm kind of not counting scorsese because like i still need to watch colors of the flower moon but like he's scorsese so like I'm, i know it's going to be well directed yeah sure i have a hard time thinking like because i think i enjoyed the direct i don't know it's always hard to like what cat like i don't know i'm not a film i i agree it's such what a strange category like what what's the direct you know like well this is, is this the performance of the actors as you get to, you know because right, and, and like it's all of it maverick and he was directing like actors in cockpits like so what is it's all very like whatever you feel i get that but like i just have a hard time thinking that i'm gonna like it's one of my favorite movies of the year and i say that having sobbed on my sofa this morning finishing it because my internet went out last night <laughs> not my power <laughs> just my internet and i felt like i was little house on the prairie around here i was like well now what do i do <laughs> so, just... <laughs> i was like what do i want to what do i gotta read a book <laughs> are you insane baking bread yeah, I was like, well, I'm so, excited to watch it. I, I, I highly recommend. I'm glad. I'm glad it's out there streaming. And yeah. I, look, I mean, not. I'm not in the business of like promoting things, but if you have Paramount Plus, just like get the Showtime thing anyway. It's, it's, it's really, yeah, that's how it, I, it's not that much of an add-on, and you get way more movies. Which, yeah. if I have a criticism of Paramount Plus in general, it's that they their movie selection's not great. It's not up to snuff with a lot some of the other. Especially um, with the catalog yet. of movies that they have, like they should have a lot yeah. more, yeah. yeah. But they well, they they don't have their stuff together. But adding in Showtime, I think gets yeah, it, it unlocks. But you can watch um, like all the Mission Impossible's are on Paramount, Top Guns on Paramount. Yeah. Anyway, so there's like they do like put half half it. the Transformers movies are on there. <laughs> yeah, <thankfully>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a it um. Yeah, it was a beautiful movie. I highly recommend I'm, it. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, and that, that is and, coming, and Poor Things is coming to digital the end of this month. I think they said February 27th. Yeah, and I don't I, know if that means it's looking like rental. It's looking like I might have to bite the bullet and rent Anatomy of a Fall because I don't think it's going to be streaming anywhere. There's like no there's no news about it being on a streaming service out there, which is wild. Yeah. Rented um, just so you can see the performance, the aptly named Messi, the dog, uh, who plays Snoop, the dog, in the movie. And he, they took him to the Oscars luncheon yesterday, or Monday, or whatever day it was, based on when you're listening to this. Yeah. Uh, he was the star of the show. Like, everybody wanted to meet Messi, including Ryan Gosling, who had, like, this whole moment of, like, oh, my God, look, 
it's, it's messy. Like that dog should have gotten a nominee. Like <laughs> that dog acted circles around. They're probably, they're probably Sorry, they're, RDJ, this one's going to messy. Like I, I bet somewhere somewhere out there, some organization has an animal acting award. I bet I bet you what exists. When you see this movie, like, anyone who has seen Anatomy of Fall listeners knows exactly what I'm talking about. I will not spoil anything other than I think I said it the last time we talked about this. The dog does not die. I think that's very important for me to spoil for you because I can't. Yeah, that's fine. We're fine with that. Yeah, I was like shout texting our friends, Corey and Blake, like, does the dog, what is happening? Um, Just incredible work from Messi at this point. For, for the record, there is an award called the Patsy Award uh, for the best animal actor in a movie. It it has not been awarded since 1976, unfortunately. But Well, dust that bad boy off. It's yeah, time. Yeah, somebody needs to bring back the Patsy. Um, <laughs> He's a very good, the very good boy award needs to be given <laughs> off. Like, if they don't have a montage of this dog. Yeah, who do we name it after? That's, like, that's, the, that's the real honor. Lassie. Um, <laughs> The Lassie Award. Yeah. Um, well, Caroline, we're I, we've gotten very far into it, but I, I should say just a quick preview for the rest of the show. Oh yeah. Whoops. <laughs> later, later in the show, uh, we're going to be joined by our good friend Brian Floyd, who wants to discuss a, a single song, which I think yeah. is the narrowest we've ever gone with our pop culture potluck. Um, so I'm looking forward to that segment, obviously. But uh, before we do that, we're also uh, going to dig into a variety of other things. It was the Super Bowl this weekend, so we've got to get into all of the movie trailers that dropped during the Super Bowl. But first, uh, I want to play a quick voicemail um, because, as always, we try to get you guys involved in the show. You can always email us at forthewatercooler at gmail.com, and you can call us and leave us a voicemail at 802-432-8308. Uh, and we're going to play one of those voicemails right now. Hey, Matt. Hey, Caroline. Uh, this is Sean Hamtree. I'm just patiently waiting here by the phone for the invite to come on the show. But in the meantime, <laughs> uh, I have one question for you. Let's say you are a substitute teacher for a day at high school, and you don't have a lesson plan, so you're going to do the classic move of showing somebody, showing the class a movie. What's the movie you're picking? Love the show. Uh, can't wait to hear the next jingle. Thanks. This is a very good question. I was actually just thinking about this because I was watching uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife <laughs> that ha- that in which Paul Rudd plays a substitute teacher who is showing R-rated movies to the kids in his class. I, th- <laughs> I think I think he sh- I think he shows them like Critters or something. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, look, my first what instinct. Is- I've got is- questions. Though. Go ahead. How long are the classes? Am I in for just one day? Let's like, say have- let's say it's a let's say let's say it's a fifty minute class. So you're you're gonna show you're not gonna show the whole movie. Okay. But you're gonna show most of a movie. Okay. Um, and do we have any subject that we want? Like, are we doing like? So let's, I'm I'm gonna substitute teach for. Let's say it's let's do this. Let's say it's social studies because that's the broadest <laughs> possible category. Say, well, this works too. I'm showing the last hour of Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm setting up the beginning and then I'm putting them in seats for the training run. <laughs> yeah, and, and then and the, the lesson end. the lesson is that you have to justify to the principal. The lesson is what. <laughs> 
Well, we could do any number of things. If it's something that's more like science or physics related, we talk about the benefits of, you know, or we can talk about G-forces. We can talk about uh, the way that they approach staying low and going upside down over the top instead and like what, you know, all that. If it's health, again, G-forces on the body, easy, done, check. Uh, if it's social studies or history, uh, you can talk about geopolitical situations. In which- Except that we do not know what country they are bombing <laughs> in that. Canada, in last- duh, no. <laughs> uh, and then we maybe we have discussion based on the uh, surrounding uh, features and the airplanes on hand. What country do you think it knows? Getting. I mean, the other one you could do something fun that's like. Um, we're going to steal the Declaration of Independence. National treasure. <laughs> I think national treasure is an easy. That's an easy win. Yeah. Uh, you can you can definitely go. It, go it's, it's fun for the kids and it is very easy to claim educational value yeah. for that for national treasure. I mean, this name is like Benjamin Franklin or something. Yeah. I see. My first instinct was to was to go Sister Act two, obviously. Which is, <laughs> but but I but I don't know if I could get away with that if I'm in a public school. So mm. uh, I I got to think about. I got to think about this, man. You know, the the classic one for people my age that they would always show in school was the movie Glory, which was a the mm. uh, Denzel Washington Civil War Civil War movie. That I feel like that was like the very standard. If you have a coach as your teacher, you are going to watch Glory at some point in the class. What is the weirdest movie you remember seeing? Weirdest. Whether a substitute or not. So my Latin teacher, yes, I took Latin. I am very cool. Uh, showed us Strange Brew one. <laughs> <laughs> the Hamlet parody. Yeah. With, uh, Rick Moran. Is it Rick Moranis? And the other yes. guy that's like the super Canadian. Who would take off, eh? And they have little it's, like the... Um, is it, what, is it Dave Thomas? Is that the yeah, guy's name? Dave yeah, Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis. And it's like Elsinore Brewery. And like they work. At yes. the, it's incredible. It was it's an SCTV funny. movie. Yeah. Yes. And uh, he just loved it and thought it was funny. And we had like six people in like whatever. I think I, I think it was like AP Latin. Again, very cool. I'm a very cool person. AP um, Latin. Wow. I d- yeah, I don't. We we for that. sure. I, I I remember. I remember that we. So this is a really weird one. Uh, there's a there's a movie called Lorenzo's Oil that I feel like um, we had to watch at least once, and we may have watched it twice over the course of my school experience. I went to I went to Catholic school, by the way, until college, so I do, I have a slightly atypical experience of being in school. But yeah, Lorenzo's Oil is a Nick Nolte movie where like um, they they come up with a cure for this uh, terrible disease by using olive oil at some oh. point. I, I don't I don't remember very much about it. I don't even remember the disease that it addresses. Uh, so th- I guess that was for science, maybe. Yeah, sure. I'm trying to think of what else. You know, like they there was there they make everybody watch like the they actually today, if you are in English and you are doing Romeo and Juliet, they probably let everybody watch Baz Luhrmann's version. Ugh. That was too new at the time when I was yeah. in high school, unfortunately. So they they made us watch the the Italian director's version oh, from like the sixties or seventies or something. Well, I was going to say, you can't watch West side story cause it's seven hours long. Yeah. Very. <laughs> it's great though. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, our kids, our kids watching Hamilton in school now, like what are they, what are they doing? Now? Oh, yeah, that would be, I, I don't know. Why are you asking me? I don't have kids. You're the one with kids. <laughs> My, well, yeah. My, I mean, <laughs> 
what? I don't know. I got nothing. May, I, I would know. just put on the 2005 Keir Knightley Pride and Prejudice for myself in an English class. Just let the kids do whatever they want. Yeah, that's great. You could put that's on good. any. You could put on any version of Little Women in in, in yeah. an English class. I think that would be great. There's not a. There is not a bad version of that that's been made into a movie. Just make them all watch Dune. <laughs> Dune, Dune. Dune actually, yes. So that's that's what we're going to recommend is Dune <laughs> in class with the official Dune popcorn bucket from AMC. Have you seen the video? If you guys haven't seen it, look it up. Pop into Twitter and search Rebecca Ferguson Dune popcorn bucket. And it's an interview, I think, with Nerdist. I apologize if it's not them. Um where she, the woman who comes in to interview her in person, she's like on her phone and she's like, I'm just looking up, like everyone's talking about this popcorn bucket, Rebecca Ferguson. And she like looks it up and she's like, oh, what is the deal with this? And the person's like, you're apparently supposed to like put your hand in it. And she goes, oh. <laughs> anyway, look it up. It is hilarious to have the Dune stars, which are all, I think, pretty like, I don't, you know, Fancy. I don't know. I just think like I think no, of like are, Timothee Chalamet and like they're like the they're like yeah. the, the the epitome of cool people right now. Yeah, and it's every like single coolest person is in that Zendaya, movie. Rebecca Ferguson. I, unfortunately, not Oscar Isaac. Boo. Um, but them yeah, finding yeah, out he did not make it. Finding out about the like online degenerates and the popcorn bucket. It's peak cinema. It's fantastic. Really good. Um. All right, so listen, let's uh, Dune, Dune 2, as far as I'm aware, did not get a new trailer that dropped no. during the Super Bowl, but we did get a bunch of really big ones. As we know, the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl of movie trailers, um, yeah. and uh, it, it was a big deal. We had a few that were very highly anticipated, a few that I think ended up being a big deal that people didn't really see coming. Okay. Um, I want to talk about I want to talk about the one we got right off the bat when the game started, which is Deadpool and Wolverine. Which this is your name. Which is which we did not know was the yep. official name of the movie. Um, what do you think about this, Caroline? Because I, I know we, we've we've done a lot of discussing on the show of our, uh, our, our conflicting feelings about the MCU and where they're at now and where it needs to go. What are your initial feelings after seeing the trailer? Uh, I'm excited. I think it, well they start with TVA and then they bust out Matthew McFadden. Come on. Yes. I'm in. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I never saw Deadpool too. So I should probably do that. I have. So, so to, to be, to, to be transparent here, I am not a Ryan Reynolds guy. <gasps> I don't, I don't really like his sense of humor. <gasps> he doesn't, he does not do it for me. What? And I I didn't like the first Deadpool movie. I liked the second one more than the first one. And I think a lot of it is because and, and like look, credit to him. I, I don't I don't like his dialogue style. I don't like the, the the sense of humor in terms of like it's very like internet speak from the early 2000s. It's very like reddity and it bugs me. But this should have to be disclosed before we agree to I this know. together. But 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 like other than that, there are a lot of really funny gags in Deadpool 2, which I have to credit Ryan Reynolds for because he was a big part of developing the script and he may even be the co-writer of the movie. Did you but, 
do you watch did you watch Wrexham? Welcome to Wrexham. No, I did not because I do not like Ryan Reynolds. That's- Dude, you get like his actual like real he so that's the thing like I and it's if you actually look at his like IMDb, you're kind of like I thought that there was like one or two bigger movies. Like No, he really like, has he really has kind of hovered in a he's kind of hovered in a in a middling comedy yeah, but his territory. personal brand and humor, which I love, which I'm 100% here for. Like, I'm sure he's a for, nice guy for the record. For example, I don't think he's a bad person. Once the trailer came out, he had something on his Instagram where he was him standing next to the TV with like Deadpool on it. And he's like, did everyone see the new trailer? Right. And then it says underneath it, oh, and has anyone seen my wife? Right. Like, because she was on TV was the all whole over night. TV with yes. Taylor Swift celebrating as a Chiefs one, which all of the content no, I, look i'm sure that ryan reynolds is for 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 a famous person i'm sure he's one of the nicest there is it's not a personal thing that i don't like him as a person i don't i don't like the like i don't like his very specific type of humor in general oh, i love him so much ryan but, i love you don't but lie. you should but you should go you should watch deadpool too it's on yeah Disney i'll rewatch right both i actually it, it has it has a it has a uh I don't want to ruin it. It has a, like a whole action sequence in it that in itself is a big comedy gag. And it's very funny. And, and it gives me a lot of optimism that like, if Disney lets him do what he wants to do, this could be a very clever and biting, like satire of superhero movies and specifically the MCU. And I kind of think we need that right now. Like we, the, the MCU needs to admit that it has become sort of absurd and m- make fun of itself and let everybody know, like we realize this, yeah. that we, that we've kind of taken it to the nth degree. And now we are, we have, we have put this behind us and we're going to do something a little different now. Yeah. I think it'll be a good reset because it can get absurd. Obviously it's not, great to have like the big reset that you need be an R-rated movie if you want like the yeah. 8 to 18 year olds that love your movies to be able to you know whatever but I'm not a parent it's not my problem I don't have to let them figure out if I have to can let my kids see this movie at some point um, but yeah I think that it's exciting that they tie in the TVA stuff there was I think Easter eggs to Secret Wars um, the same type of like bottle of soda that killed um, Stanley's cameo in Hulk um yeah he gets he gets smashed into at one point you see him getting like thrown into what looks like the broken 20th century fox logo which i think is really funny yeah this was like i I mean like wildly meta at this point if if they really let it if they really let it go as far as it can go yeah and and calling himself marvel jesus like i i i want to believe that this is going to be that this is going to have some actual teeth to it and like, you know, make, make people sort of step outside of the genre a little bit. I'm more excited for it now than I was Sunday morning. I'll say that. Cause okay. I, I also previously, and it's been now thankfully a few years since we've had any Wolverine content, but I really thought that they ran that IP into the ground. Um, I and some like- people are upset that Hugh Jackman is coming back to do this because they felt like Logan was the perfect way for him to go out. 
But I yeah. don't know. I like it. I like that I he wants it. to do this. And I think that it's most likely going to end up with some younger actor getting in, but it'll be a multiverse thing or something like that. So yes. I don't think that it's saying that this has to be him forever type thing. Um, so yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm excited. It's only one of two Marvel. Do we have another one? Uh, we might only have one this year. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's coming out in July. I need to, I, I, I'm going to have to go consult it and remember what else is coming out. I think the next one after that is going to be Captain America 4, which is not going to be until 2025 at this point um, because they've had to continually push it back for reshoots and things like that. Um, okay, listen, there's there's another one that I, I really wanted to get to because it ended up being maybe the most talked about of the Super Bowl. And I don't even know that a lot of people knew it existed. I know you knew it existed already. Oh, I knew. <laughs> but Twisters, the sequel to Twister, starring your boy Glenn Powell, My dude. made a big splash. That trailer, I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people were like, I can't believe they did this, how stupid. But like, I think a lot of people took notice of it and it looks, it, it looks, looks fun. It looks like the sequel to Twister. So like yeah. if you, if that's a fun movie to you, so why would you, would, yeah. you would be excited about this. Look, here's the thing. If, and this is not just my bias of like, I love Glenn Powell. Everything that he's touching right now is turning to gold. Even if you want to look at, I think anyone but you, which again, I think that they massive hit massive hit I, and that was with the what i think is a little bit of some mismanagement on the marketing side like not telling us like so the first trailer that came out was very confusing and then they kind of more give you the backstory of like what we're going because it looked more like a like intense drama it's a hit purely it. on the strength of the movie itself basically yeah and it's made 175 million dollars at least that was the last time i heard an update yeah and it cost 25 million to make and, like, it's, an, and it's an r-rated rom-com certified success like that thing is is a box office hit and so you then look at he's got hitman coming out in a couple months which is like got rave reviews coming out of all the film festivals is that as hitman it's just a, is it its own thing or is that an adaptation of the video game no it's its own thing it's and its, its own it, thing it's not hitman one word it's hit man and it's a based on a true story it's produced and i think glenn co-wrote or wrote the script i think okay um and it's with link later again which he did for um, oh interesting he that's their second time working the other thing and it's based on a true story of like this guy who's that was hired as a hitman there's like it's almost like a rom-com like comedy vibe so sure. it's supposed to be really really good and then you've got twisters coming out which is like, I think, I mean, we've talked so much about the fact that, like, everyone's complaining about Marvel and there's all this pressure on Marvel, like, all this stuff, because there do need to be other types of movies. We've talked about, yeah. like, make more rom-coms. People will go see rom-coms. Uh, for folks listening, if you ha if you like rom-coms, upgraded on Amazon Prime with um, Camila Mendez from Riverdale. Fantastic. The thing got an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's, like, a 200% in rom-com land. Like... It is so fun. Watch it. So this is the thing, like now they're finally starting to make us more stuff and they're taking a page out of that. Like what early to, was that when did Twister come out? I believe Twister was 96 or 97. If I'm yeah. not mistaken, let me look. I, so, I'm, I'm going to check live here. It was 96. <laughs> Based on the trailer, what we're getting is in, at first I was like, Oh my God, did they make Glenn the 
Carrie Elwes, like the the, the asshole. It does kind of look like that. But yeah, it looks like they made a hybrid. So it looks like it's more of oh, like he's the he's, Carrie Elwes, Bill Paxton. He, combo. he is he is perfect for that kind of thing. And I know he wants to be a leading man. I think I think that he should lean into being a jerk because <laughs> I don't mean this as an insult at all, but he has the look for it. Like he oh, he look. <laughs> He looks like he looks like he wants to give. He looks like he's giving people wedgies in the hallway. You know, he's got that face. They hit us with Glenn walking in a cowboy hat and a white t-shirt through a rainstorm in February. Like how? Like you can't. This is that's my now. That's my Roman Empire. It's like all I'm going to want to talk about. You were on. You were on the floor. I was already on board for this movie because I knew this was coming. I was super stoked. I knew that we were going to get a trailer, uh, and it was so much better than I could have imagined. And the other part is what made Twister such a perfect movie was it had this kind of like rom-com element to it with Bill. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Helen Hunt. And there's something about Helen Hunt that is like the perfect, that exact like Meg Ryan type thing, but maybe a little bit like, I don't want to say rougher in like a mean way, but like she was the, the tornado hunter. Like, you know, she was like rough and tumble tomboy vibes. That's such a good point. We don't, we don't really have a great, Helen Hunt. Well, we uh, do now apparently because Daisy Edgar Jones extremely looked perfect for that. Like just the look and the vibe from the trailer. I was like, yes. Yeah. I, I, I will, we'll see. I, I think of her as so much more of a glamorous actor. Um, oh, see, I, I mean, I just, I don't know. You can pull that off, but did she was also in. It's a good, it's a good cast though, overall, because yeah. you, you have her, you have Kiernan Shipka, who is uh, a lot of people know from the Sabrina series that she did. Uh, Anthony Ramos, who uh, is now a Transformers guy, but was really, really good in Hamilton uh, in, in the Heights. In, in 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 the Heights, thank you. That's what I was trying yep. to remember. Uh, David Cornsweet is in it, who is our new Superman. Uh, yep. un- so another opportunity to see him and stuff. So it's like it's a good young cast of people, like in their you know stars in their twenties and early thirties. So and excited. they're just going to be, it's, it's a, like you said, I think that's such a good point, Caroline, that like we need event feeling movies that are not superhero movies. And that actually could re reignite like a, an audience demand for superhero movies. If there's just other things they can see that are not superhero movies, they might actually be more interested in going to superhero well, movies they, when they, they are they- out they have to make better superhero movies is what yes of course great like and that's i think it's all win-win because i love the disaster action genre like i love twister yeah and i I I think the the i think a lot of them were so stupid a lot of them were so bad for a long time that 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 that's part of why it fell off are we insulting volcano now like that doesn't need to happen volcano (laughs) volcano was the was the better of the two by the way interesting a lot of people say dante's peak no i'm a volcano guy if you're gonna make a stupid volcano movie make a make a real stupid one like you want you want your the guy melting into the lava yeah. with thumbs up. That's like the guy's trying to like throw the person so out. So stupid. Which, which is in the Dante's Peak, the contrast is the grandmother pushing the boat through the acid lake. That's right. But no, I'm going to say about that. I did not, there were a few of the others. There was a, a new Planet of the Apes. That's probably what, the 17th of those? So, that so that's coming out in, in, I think, April or May. That's a, that's a sort of early summer movie. And I, I'm interested in it for sure. I, to me, the the three that just got made before the official Disney takeover, uh, which which Matt Reeves was involved in, who I'm a fan of, those are genuinely legit, really good movies. And I, I, I 
don't know if I've seen a single Planet of the Apes movie. Well, the good news is Carlton Heston. You do you do not have to see the original ones um, for for you the don't new need ones to, to understand all the. But there, like, lore. It gets incredible, Caroline. It gets unbelievably complicated, and it actually <laughs> is like a time loop at some point. But the, the new ones, the new ones really do like work on their own as as a very cool like apocalyptic story where like it's a case where the cg characters are actually genuinely good and you are interested in watching them and it's not jar jar binks it's much more like Gollum, i would say the territory where it's like unbelievable how compelling it is to watch these cg apes acting and communicating with each other and like acting opposite human actors it's really good I hope that the new one is up to that level. I don't I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah. Um, one more that I want to touch on real quick and then we'll go to our break. Wicked. Do you have oh. feelings about Wicked? I know you're you're not you're not particularly a member of the the um, uh, musical theater chat on the For the Win. Uh, I'm in there. Wow. I don't know what's going on most of the time. Right. Um, I saw the show. I liked it. Um, it was like a weird, like we had a horrible dinner with this group of friends I went out with right before. We I remember you talked yeah. about this. I was actually. already like mad. So I went, went to the show and was like, this is that, well, this is just nice, just ruined. Uh, but obviously like I, I know I couldn't tell you more beyond like defying gravity type thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know that necessarily splitting it is the best idea. And I don't know that yeah. splitting it a year apart from each other is the best idea. I'm, I'm with you there. I think that vocally both are going to be incredible. My favorite part about the trailer was that it brought back the, she came down in a bubble, Doug. Like she was in the ground. Yeah. That meme, which is like my favorite thing in the world, but I don't have a ton of opinions on it. I think it's, I'll go see it. It looks pretty. Their voices are fantastic. Like, so sure. Um, but I, I, the only question I have is around like, cause I've also heard that I don't remember correctly as well, but that the second half of it is not as strong. And so it's kind of like, if you cut it off after like the strongest part, like what are you going to do? Yeah, you got to hope the first one's a big hit because then yeah. otherwise you're waiting a year to like drop this movie that nobody particularly cares is coming if the first one kind of bombs. So yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a weird choice too. I think they probably could have cut it into one movie, but We'll see. Uh, I'm like one three hour. Like, I mean, look, we didn't put Killers of the Flower Moon in the theater. Just put an intermission. Yeah, exactly. If we could, if we could put a three and a half hour Scorsese movie in, people can handle musical theater. Yeah. In the movies. Wonka, Wonka, I think just made like $600 million. People yeah. are, people are seeing musicals. It's fine. Uh, all right. Well, uh, look, there are a couple of more. There's definitely content over at For the Win about all of the uh, Super Bowl movie trailers that dropped out. We didn't really touch on uh, a quiet place day one, which I will see. I don't know. I, I don't know that I need more quiet place, but that's fine. Um, uh, but, but yes, go check out more content about that over at for the win. And we will be right back after this break with our guest, Brian Floyd. Let's do it. All right, and welcome back. Super, super excited to have our guest here today. I used to work with him over at SB Nation, but now he's with us here at SMG uh, doing audience development stuff, which is super, super fun. Uh, so if you found the website, maybe Brian got you away there. But Brian Floyd, <laughs> welcome to the show. How are you? 
I'm great. It's so good to see you guys. No, we got you morning too out there in Washington. How- <laughs> I know it's still early. I'm like the, I'm on the 9 a.m. Pacific time, just like getting up, having my coffee over here as all you guys are hanging out having lunch. So it's. Good. I thought I thought you were saying morning with a U because of because of Kalen DeBoer departing, but Brian Brian would actually wow. be celebrating that. <laughs> Yeah, he would be happy. I had a about good it. time watching that happen. So I was, <laughs> I was thankful to Alabama for that. It was a chaotic week here, where it went from like in the national championship game for three quarters for Washington to losing their coach, half their roster, everything else by the end of the week. Like, and watching that as an outsider, as a Washington State fan, was delightful. And then the Seahawks I just got to go. Not my problem. <laughs> yeah, and then the Seahawks stole back basically every member of the staff. So it's been and great now even. For you. <laughs> yes, even for a Washington State fan, I was like, I love their staff. It was an awesome staff. Like their team was really like likable and all that. And so now I get all the benefits of that without any of the guilt. It's so perfect right now. That's amazing. I love that. I love. I, I, lo- I love that for you, Brian. College fandom is and <laughs> Washington State and uh, Oregon State are just like, oh, you guys want to do stuff? No, we're the pack too. We're gonna do what we want. Um, we are keeping our money. <laughs> But actually, for the first time, this we're having you on to something that's not a sports podcast. You get a little break from all of that. And instead, uh, you brought us something very special and close to your heart. Uh, what are we going to be talking about today for Pop Culture Potluck? We are going to be talking about the 1996 hit song, Pony by Genuine. <laughs> Just the song. Um, there is a lot to work with here, but Caroline asked me, bring a pop culture thing can be music movies whatever and i just sent her back the video for pony yeah and there's a lot to work with here but it was a quick response like a lot of times it's it's really fun uh we've been so fortunate with some all of our guests have just are so great and so when we ask someone to say like hey just pick like one thing that you want to talk about um it's a lot of pressure a lot of times we have people like okay can we just let me get back to you like and you were Bam! Pony. We're weirdly we're weirdly on a streak right now in season two of everyone has returned their selection immediately to us of what they wanted. Yes, which this is- took me like I had to think for a quick second, and it was like one of those questions where it's like, look, if you had to give a TED talk on something with no prep, because yeah. like the last like month of my life has been chaotic anyway. It's like if you had to give a TED talk, what could you do? And I was like, oh right, pony. Yeah, no, we can do this. This is fine. <laughs> so, what is it about? Um, genuine but specifically pony that speaks to you like what is what is your relationship with the so so genuine was like the so the late 90s basically r&b got like wild and horny and like that was also the time that i was like in middle school to high school like it weirdly coincided with the teenage years so like we had a bunch of songs. You would go to school dances and stuff, and you would have like next and like too close and like all I, in that's, like genuine. That was exactly like, the one I was going to mention. Yeah, and it's like you're playing these songs, and you're a child. You don't really like later it clicked. I was like, oh, that's what they're talking about. But at the time, it's like, man, this is a jam. Hell yeah! Like we are all going to dance to this. And then you look back, and you're like, oh, they were singing about that. Oh, why did they let us play that? Like what? It is if you listen to some of the lyrics of some of these mostly we were listening to the beats anyway and so then you go back and you start to learn what they were and a lot of these songs have had longevity like pony is now almost 30 years old and is still around and still being used so you go back and listen you're like whoa what were you teaching us all right cool it kind of of yeah pony sort of i would say would you say it's fair fair to say it has become sort of the official anthem of male uh, stripping? 
Totally. Yeah. And like Magic Mike absolutely helped this. Like yeah. that's where it kind of caught its second win. But it was just like, oh, this is your like pour some sugar on me for like the dudes now. <laughs> like modern like like that's what we're like it's the easiest thing and it's like you can pop this on and this is easy to dance to and like we can get into this later but like the way that the song is made is really easy to dance to or to get, do whatever you can write a bull to it whatever you want to do yeah it, it, it's it's funny because caroline and i were looking at a couple of episodes ago we were we went to 1999's billboard hot 100 for the year and one of the things that kind of popped out to us was the diversity of genres up and down the list. Like it wasn't just all like, if you look, I mean, if you look at any of the past, like 15 years, it's mostly pop and hip hop and, and some combination of the two few, few country songs thrown in, but like 99, there's like all this, um, there's all this Latin influenced music in there. There's a ton of house music in there. And then R and B is a huge category in there. I think there were three or four R and B songs in the top 10 for the year in 99. And for sure, like mid nineties is when you start to hear that stuff come in, which is really interesting. And especially, and I, I think we should get into this part of it now, especially considering this song is produced by a guy that I think, Today, most people would consider like one of the top two or three most recognizable hip hop producers ever, maybe. Right. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. Is it fair to put him in that category, Timbaland? Yeah. And this was his first too. like this was really like the thing that broke him through. Like this was all so even further back from that, like this is a like genuine and Timbaland and Missy Elliott and all them trace their roots to Jodeci. Um, They were part of kind of an offshoot of Jodeci. And so they go way back doing that and they hadn't really broken through that group had broken up. And so they all kind of split did their own thing. And they put together this song, like a bunch of them came together and put together this song with genuine and it came out before the album. It was just a single and it was like, who the hell are these? Whoa, this is good. (laughs) And now that like distinct, the beat of that song and that distinct beat, is like ubiquitous but at the time it was like what is this and now you know you're like oh that's a timbaland beat like this is what the right it has a certain dragging bass line and like a certain feel to it but at the time it was like what oh what are you doing here who are these okay yeah it, it does i and it's weird because that's timbaland is like a guy that i for sure paid attention to when i was in middle school and high school kind of up there with pharrell where I listened, I would listen to anything that I knew they had done. And eventually you start to figure out like, oh yeah, like, like you say with, with Timelin, you've got like these certain little sound signatures that you can pick up on. But this one, I don't think I even knew this was Timelin until like a few years ago. But I, and I guess that's just because of the separation It's because it came out so much earlier than everything else I was aware of. And this was an old um, Timbaland beat as well, where it was just on the shelf for him. Like this was, the song was in 96. And he said later on that he had had that beat for nine years. So that beat had been sitting around for, in that kind of production for the track, been sitting around since 87. And then they were like, you know what, let's make this into a song with this guy. And it kind of all comes together in the right ways where you have the right pieces. And his production mind like that, where you get that sound, like that was all the things snapping into place and people were like, Oh, this is good. And that's part of why it's had its longevity too. 
It's it's fascinating. Like I just think it's so cool to think uh, Timbaland is wonderful. Um he actually I saw this is so college. Justin Timberlake came to Charlottesville and did the Future Sex Love Sounds tour, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um and I think Pink opened for him. And then they had like a 45 minute Timbaland interlude where he just like mixed and it was amazing. Was like <laughs> um, but also shout out to the East Coasters because Timbaland's from Virginia. That's right. Um, and so is Missy. Yep. They're both 757. And I just looked this up. Genuine's from Maryland. So, um, but you famously, Brian, which is why it made sense as soon as you said this, have ta- have long set pony to other things. How did you uh, get started on the <laughs> on that niche video <laughs> creation? I actually so had to think called, about this too. Uh, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, like, I was thinking about this the other day because I was like, okay, where did this like tracing it back to where it come, came from, so that you know it could be somewhat accurate. And with us, it was the um, the year before the first college football playoffs. So the last game of the na- this national championship season before, um, they played a promo for the college football playoff. And it was just like they kind of did a bracket thing and a slow out, whatever. And we were watching it in Slack that night. And Roger Sherman was like, I think this would work to Pony. And I was like, well, let me like I'll go like check this out. This was and the so Auburn, the, the Auburn, football- Florida State national championship game. <laughs> Yeah, so like right after they were like the college football playoffs coming, ESPN does this like dramatic like video for it, and it's shot in a certain way, and you can start to hear the beat in your head. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll try this out and put it on there. And I'm like, okay, that works, cool. And like kept thinking about it myself after that. I was like, you know what, this this beat seems like it works with a lot of stuff. And so it went from the kind of college football playoff and started setting random things to it. And I took. I had watched, like, there's a very famous, Yevgeny Plushenko does a routine to Sex Bomb, and it's, like, an exhibition routine where, like, he strips, <laughs> and he's doing figure skating, but he's, like, he strips <laughs> off, reveals a muscle suit, does all these moves and stuff like that, and I was, like, that had come up around the Olympics, which was, like, a month later, it was in February, I think, it was the Winter Olympics, and I was, like, hmm, this seems, like, close, I wonder if it would work with Pony, and I did that, and I was like, oh, this works. Like, this really works. And took the whole routine and set it to Pony, and it ended up, like, all over the internet on different places. Took off on, like, Jezebel and stuff. And <laughs> from there, it just became a game to see, like, what can this all fit to? Like, can it fit into something that's pop culture? Or can it fit into, like, something that's old or whatever else? And we realized with the beat and all that stuff, like, it basically works with anything. And you can set the weirdest things at the most dramatic times to Pony. It's a lot like that dude on TikTok now that like does the soldier boy thing where it'll like be a song and all of a sudden you'll hear you and like this is the same with Pony where it's like you'll be going along in the scene that all of a sudden you'll hear that opening beat and Pony will kick in and you'll be like, oh man, it works. <laughs> it's, I'm like, I cannot stop laughing because I remember that routine. It was because so good. Laugh- it works so well. Honestly, how has nobody not used that in, in figure skating yet? Why would you do a routine to sex bomb to start? Right. <laughs> I it, just it makes yes. sitting team down and being like, I have an idea. It was Klushenko too, who is like who he is in skating. He's still around and do that. Like that was part of the reason why I think he was still around in the time that it was, that I was doing this. I was like, I'll take his old routine, but he was so off the wall and like that, where it was like, no one even batted an eye. They're like, yeah, he'll do sex bomb, but also in a muscle suit 
that he's going to strip off all of his clothing while he's doing it and end up in like a bikini, basically in a muscle suit, shaking his butt out on the figure skating rink. And everyone was like, yes, this yeah. makes sense. To, to Tom Jones's sex bomb. Like, sure. Perfect. Do it. Done. Notice. And it wasn't even like, I don't think it was a performance. It was just like an expo, like a, a random, yeah, like whatever. Yeah. And he was like, I remember that. Yeah. Um, this but basically the trigger is like, if you ever see to Matt's point earlier, if you ever see someone dripping, basically just turn on pony, whatever music they have, and it'll work right over it. Figure skating, yeah. anything. Any, any sport. I think we mentioned it earlier when we were just talking about like the differences in genres. I feel like this is going to sound weird, I think, but like we've lost that like sexy vibe music in the sense that <laughs> so when you said this this is my favorite point you've ever made on the show we've yes. lost we've lost that sexy vibe as a society like we need I'm to bring of, the sexy back into society yeah. again but like re, but like really re, but i'm thinking of in that time frame like you mentioned like too close is like the most extreme example i think because again and again we were all in like middle school dance era for some of these things, which made it funnier. But I think of when I think of, I think genuine pony. And then I think my mind immediately goes to D'Angelo. How does it feel? Mm-hmm. Sure. That's a very short line to draw. I think. Right. And, and it's, again, it's like the, like, it's the sexy vibe. It's like, the, but we don't ha- I just don't know that that art, like the beat and the R and B. I don't know. I just, I, I think that R and B is, I think R and B is being made. And I yes. think it's probably mostly good and very sexy right now. The, pro- the problem is that it, unlike in the 90s where on the radio, they right. were literally just playing everything. And they're like, hey, yeah. Yeah. We, we're selling CDs of everything we put out. So we're going to play all of it on the radio. And now they're we're so on, on average, we're really only exposed to stuff that we either deliberately look for or that yeah. is like, the most possible highest selling commercial stuff, which is mostly, mostly pop and hip hop. And we're very, I think, I do think we're very siloed in the sense that like, I listen to the radio sometimes, but a lot of times what happens is like, it's now what's considered like oldies. Cause it's like everything where it's like hits of yesterday and today. And it's like, yesterday means, you know, pony. And that's like, like, damn it. I mean, what's crazy, what's crazy about like, I, and I, I don't want to play pony for my kids in the car to, to do this experiment, but like in kids general, yeah, in, in general, like if I play stuff from the nineties or even the two thousands, my kids who are now in their teens will say like this genuinely, like I'll ask them, I'm like, does this sound old to you? And they're like, yeah, it sounds old. Uh, I wonder. It's a though, different sound. Yeah. I wonder the, about the beats pony, and all that are different because I feel like pony. I feel like pony sounds like it is more likely to be from like 2020 than it does from 1996. It's it's still weird to even think about the fact that it was partly made in the 80s because it just sounds it sounds like everything that's out there today. And in fact, like if you go on TikTok there's people that are like remixing current songs mm. to pony. It's like yep. still that relevant and still that popular right now. Yeah. And that, that beat is a big reason for it too. It's a, not a, there were a lot of like, not simpler beats, but like Timbaland's song and pony here has a lot going on in it, which kind of forced shoes back around to now where you had a lot of, you know, we're learning kind of the machines and all that. And Timbaland did this stuff that was so different 
that you could make it apply now. It's kind of like a horseshoe. We've come all the way back around to the complicated beats that like Timberland did versus just a normal like baseline and all that. So I think everything that he has going on in that, like in the production of it, where he's got kind of snares and he's got a bunch of different things going on with like the almost, it sounds like a mouth making the beat and, and the baseline and stuff like that can fit right now, just as it would then, because right now a lot of producers are messing around with more complicated things. They have better tools to do it. Basically like at the time, Timbaland's doing the stuff on nineties equipment that people are now doing on 2020 equipment that you can do a lot more with. And it was yeah. just such a skill then that it can still apply to now and you can make and upgrade that beat that he did, but he was doing that on old stuff where it was like, yeah, we had like tape recorders and like CDs we were playing music on, not this digital stuff that we have now. It's really, and one, one of my favorite things to watch on YouTube and, and TikTok, watching like clips from the nineties, especially of, of guys producing that stuff where I, and I don't even know enough about how it works, but like where they'll take a sound and sort of uh, like, program it into a keyboard and chop it up to play it at different, uh, you know, yeah, this was the sample era so too. Cool. Remember this sure. was like yeah, the nineties yeah. were like the big sampler where you had a lot of that, where they would take little pieces in, in their minds and like Timbaland's great at this, but he does it originally. They would take little pieces of sounds and be like, like change this out, pitch it up, do all these things and turn it into a beat. And like, that was the big thing then. That's how they produced. Oh, it's just, I love, it's such a, I wish I was a more musically. <laughs> and I, I love, I listen to music almost nonstop. Like I have, I have it on all the time. I love all sorts of different kinds of music. If anyone does have good recommendations for R and B that I need to be listening to now, send them my way, please. Um, I, it's just, I love watching people or like reading up on or seeing their processes when it comes to like, it's just fascinating, which is why I love just seeing Timbaland like mix. Because and I think that's something that is such an underrated skill is the ability to like actually be a good like DJ, <laughs> like figuring out well, what fits together, beat transitions and like all that stuff. And I'm the one that had to put like tape on my cello as an eighth grader to figure out like which damn string was the one. Like, yeah. Well, so to I your point earlier too, like the lyricists of that time and like the people that were doing lyrics and all that in genuine. So like. Now it's basically a free for all. You can so at the time, remember back when we were talking in the nineties, there was a moral panic around music, around cussing. Um, you had the yeah. like the parental advisors on music, all that kind of stuff. And so to get things on the radio and to make them sound good, you had to basically write metaphorically. Jimmy Wine wrote a song about having sex, but it was just a metaphor. He's doing like the pony writing, all that. And a lot of these songs were like that, where you didn't come outward and say I want to do all these things and blah, blah, blah. They were just like making all this metaphorically. And so it did take a little bit of work to kind of get America into things and also get them on the radio without getting in too much trouble. Or now like streaming service will take whatever you got and you can like say things literally, but you had to really work at the time to not get in trouble with things. And even with like those tags and stuff like that, like they were making sure they were like, no, no, that song's just about bull riding. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, like there's no, not a single there's not is, a single like swear word in it per like no, it, it is hard out of radio. <laughs> it's hard to communicate to people now like how how much of a freak out it caused for like Alanis Morissette to have the F word in a song that played on the radio. Like even even to bleep mm-hmm. it 
it was still such a huge deal to people and it was so offensive to so many people. And now like, I, you know, I'm, I'm Brian, I'm a big fan of Olivia Rodrigo. It's been brought up on the show multiple times, but like she's, this is like yes. a, a Disney channel pop star and she drops mm-hmm. F-bombs in her songs. Like it's nothing. It's not, it's just not, like you said, it's cussing isn't a thing anymore. It doesn't really bother anybody other than the, the most botherable people. <laughs> and, and and so like the but the like the raciness of getting away with something in the late 90s i don't know if there's an analogy for it today no it's it's definitely not the same and it took a little bit of work to get around it and that's also probably why you saw a lot of the r&b horny music come to popularity around that same time it's like well if we can't like outward cuss and rap then we're just gonna croon about it and ma- like you had nate dog singing about like anything but it sounded so good that you were like oh he can't have said it about killing yeah like he's singing about killing someone but like it sounds really good so like we're just gonna like nod our head and go along there's no way he just said anything objectionable with that with the way he just sang it yeah love no like dog feet like features on anything is the best thing that's ever happened i legitimately regulate might be one of my favorite songs ever made like i'm not even blowing smoke i love that song so much it's been it's been it's been referenced on the show thankfully uh well listen brian we have we have delved deep into pony and we're gonna take a hard left turn but inspired by your choice uh because we do a game show segment on the podcast every week uh, and it is our guest versus Caroline. She has she does not know anything about the questions. Um, she doesn't even topic. know she doesn't even know what the topic is going to be. Okay. But I what I have chosen for you guys this week is uh, a, a, a trivia segment about famous horses of pop culture <laughs> in honor of Pony. So um, we're we're gonna we're going to play our trivia game called Horse Questions. Uh, and before we begin, we have a little jingle. Can you play that for us, Producer Chandler? Game show segment, let's do it. Answer horse questions. These horses are famous. Name them to get points, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're going to ask Incredible. we're gonna ask you each three questions about famous horses and you'll have to answer as many as possible brian we'll start with you in the film sea biscuit the titular hero engages in a one-on-one match race with which other famous championship racehorse and i'm going to give you multiple choice here is it a secretariat b man o war C, War Admiral, or D, Ship of Theseus? Oh, I feel like it is Man of, no, War Admiral? It is Man War Admiral. Admiral. Oh, oh yes. Too late, I took it. <laughs> I knew it was one of the war ones. <laughs> it is War Admiral. That's one point for Brian. Boom. All right, Caroline. On a technicality there. He got it. Look, it, it, it was it, the, the buzzer had been buzzed. It's fair, it's fair. Caroline, this famous sitcom about a talking horse was based entirely on a stupid gag whereby the trainers would smear peanut butter on the horse's teeth and his attempts to lick it off made it look like he was talking. What is the, what is the name of the sitcom? A horse is a horse, of course, of course, unless, of course, it's a talking horse, the famous Mr. Ed. <laughs> it is Mr. Ed. Well done. 
<laughs> Nick, at, Nick at night staple. Uh, horses are horses, horses, horses. I had no idea that's how they got Mr. Ed to talk. That yeah, I know, funny. right? <laughs> Entirely. That is it, they, so the, cool. The existence of that entire show, it depends on peanut butter. It's um, also how I get my dog to do stuff. So That's right. Friends, everybody dream big. This is someone yeah. had an idea to rub some peanut butter on a horse, and they made like tons of money making it, it was probably on for show. It was probably on for like seven years. Uh, yeah. If you, okay. Everyone should go look up old Mr. Ed highlights because they're wild. I can't even. I can't even imagine what the plot of an episode of Mr. Ed look was up about. The, there's I'm gonna have the to go look it up. You, you have to look up Mr. Ed playing baseball. Maybe there's the an episode where he plays baseball. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, the one you need to start with. Yeah. Start there. That'll explain Incredible. everything. <laughs> Amazing. All right. We're we're on to round two. We're tied at one apiece, Brian. The fictional, this, sorry, this fictional miniature horse for Parks and Recreation was the most beloved figure of Pawnee, Indiana until his tragic death. Oh my gosh, I knew what this one was. Sebastian. Oh, I might have to Baby go Sebastian. to the judges. Little Sebastian. Little Sebastian. <laughs> sorry. We're, we're going to give it to him. We're going to give it to him. It's, it was Lil I Sebastian. I had to think of like. Little Sebastian and they did a pony skit on Parks and Rec at one point because my emotions yeah. blew up. That's right. Um, they that one of the funniest scenes I think in Parks and Rec is when um, Adam Scott when Ben is like I don't get it and they all like turn on him <laughs> because he doesn't get Little Sebastian. Yeah, uh, that was fantastic. Okay, damn it. I knew How could that you one. not? I knew that one. All right, Caroline. One. Your question is, Steven Spielberg's film War Horse was about a horse who did stuff during a war. Can you name any of the actors who meet the horse during this movie? <sighs> like, you really just need, you just need to know who was in the movie War Horse. And please, please do not Mike Golick Jr. this. Let's see both of your hands so that you are not... He cheated so badly in the first episode. Michael Jr., that, that is the person for whom the rule is named in this in this game show segment. Um, <laughs> damn it. I don't Not know. even one actor. Is all, is, what um, year was the movie? What year was the movie? We can narrow movie, this down yeah, a little bit. Yeah, the movie came out in 2011. So here's, here's my question, my follow-up. Do you mean, like, did the horse meet real, act, like, people playing themselves? Or are you saying that anyone in the movie that act like... I, I'm just, I'm literally just asking you to name an actor who... Name an actor. War Horse. <laughs> is that Toby Maguire? <laughs> Toby Maguire is not in War Horse, he Secretariat. unfortunately. He, he's, he's in Seabiscuit, which was in Brian's first question. We would have accepted. We would have accepted Benedict Cumberbatch, Tom Hiddleston, Patrick nope. Kennedy. Let's no, see. Jeremy okay. Irvine, Emily Watson. I don't know any. I knew the first two. Okay, great. There we go. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is a that is a miss for Caroline. You're going to need some help from Brian here on the third one. <laughs> Brian. This famous stage play, which is mostly known for Harry Potter showing his butt on stage, features an actor wearing a life-size horse puppet. I need the name of the play. 
Not the name of the butt. Um, <laughs> who does the, Oh, I don't even know this one. Caroline, what is it? Do you is know this one, Caroline? Something like equine? Very close. It was Equus. Equus. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. We're even, we're even we, got, we got Brian on round three. Okay. That's this is a big one. Tie. This is a big one for you, Caroline. Hey, please. Give me a good horse. Which member of the oh, Fellowship of the Ring rode a horse named Shadowfax? Um, <laughs> this is a horse babe question. Uh, I'm going to go Legolas. Unfortunately, it was Gandalf. Oh. Brian wins. <laughs> <laughs> Why are this so hard? <laughs> Round three. Is that what you asked? Like, oh, this is fine. To so like what? <laughs> Round three. Round three was a big step up for sure. He texted me yesterday and asked if I had seen Lord of the Rings, and now I know why. Be fair. Oh man, I think I'm I love the effort it. you put into this segment. This is amazing between oh, yeah. the, the theme music and the questions, buddy. This yeah. is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. then I mean, I, I'll be honest. I, I I could do a better job with evening out the difficulty of the questions, and that's an ongoing process that we're working on. No, no, no. This is perfect. The round three should be like the impossible. Like you have, come on, bring it with this round. <laughs> yeah, we we've only we really the the. the you know, I, I, it's always a balance between doing it this way and then ending up with like our our, our famous episode where we talked about the X Files with Stephen Godfrey, and it was just Caroline and Godfrey just like back and forth like a, a never ending tennis volley, getting every single question right <laughs> before you even finish the question. We would like name the episode name and what season it was in, and like the extras in I think, it. I think Godfrey. I think the, I actually had a timestamp on it. I think I had to rewrite a question on the fly because Godfrey dropped it as a tidbit during the episode, and it was one of my questions I was going to ask later. <laughs> He's like, I know this really this hard question. Right. How we're chatting about it. I have yeah. one bit of trivia for you both. Out of curiosity, do either of you know Genuine's name? Like his. Oh, interesting. Yes. I do because this recently came up, and he's also a native of Washington, D.C. So his name, his parents were big fans of basketball. His name is Elgin Lumpkin, but his middle name is Baylor. So he's Elgin yeah. Baylor Lumpkin. Wow. Yeah. Dragonfly Lumpkin Jones pointed part. this out on Twitter, claiming him as part of the Elgin Baylor crew, because Elgin Baylor is, to Dragonfly Jones' point, anytime some record comes up that you know has been around forever, they're like, here's the top five of this. Elgin Baylor is somewhere on that list. Like, <laughs> He always shows up on his like points, rebounds, whatever. Like it's always like Elgin Baylor, Elgin. But um, yeah, his parents were in DC, big fans of Elgin Baylor, and so he is Elgin Baylor Lumpkin. Yes. Also, well his done. first stage name was not genuine. Do you know what it was? I don't. It was pretty boring, actually. It was just tornado. <laughs> uh, there's old video clips. So when they were part of that crew, right, like that Tim Lou McGrew crew, they were all figuring out their names and stuff. Missy Elliott was part of a group just called Sista, and uh, Genuine was named Tornado. And so the Jodeci members just used to like drag them around places and be like, this is the group Sista, which Missy Elliott was part of, and this is our boy Tornado. Genuine is, is genuinely a great name. Just like yeah, phenomenal, the pun spelling. It's really, it, it's also like, 
as we've as we've discussed in the show, it's like inherently sexy. It's about it's like it's yeah. a liquor based name. Yeah, yep. he's phenomenal. And um, speaking of Parks and Rec, he had several guest appearances on Parks and Rec as Donna Meagle's cousin, which, again, outstanding episode when they go as to Donna. As himself, though, right? He plays yeah, genuine. Himself. He yeah. is cousins with genuine. Like, that is part of Because they show up That's to right. Donna's, like, cabin in the woods. <laughs> and they're like, Donna, why is there a picture of you and genuine? She's like, you don't need to look at all my stuff. Like, why do you need to know about my cousin? And it's just, like, becomes a running bit that her cousin is genuine. Love that. <laughs> Very nice. Well, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's gonna that's gonna be our show for this week, Brian. Thank you for delving into um, into Pony with us in in a really a deep dive into a single song that I, that is unprecedented for our show. Happy to do it. It totally deserves it. A wonderful song. So glad to talk about it. Also, the music video pioneers the jersey swap at the end of the club night. At the end, they exchange hats: a cowboy hat and a uh, baseball hat. So it's like. We didn't even talk about them solving race relations. It was beautiful, lovely song. It was like all the things over it. So, like, great song. Happy to do this with you guys, and it was so good to see you. Well, so we're so happy to have you on, Brian. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show, and thanks to everybody for listening. Um, you can you can find us everywhere that you get your podcast, and we would appreciate it if you guys would go there and leave us a rating. Uh, and, and tell your friends, share the episode. And as always, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, you can email us or leave us a voicemail. We love to get feedback from you guys for the water cooler at gmail.com or 802-432-8308. Thanks again, uh, to Brian Floyd. And thanks again to all of our listeners. And we will see you guys again next week here at for the water cooler. Mm-hmm.